One of the ways that we tried to get an improved or better communication amongst our family was there on Sunday night dinner, uh, we would sit down and have a family council at dinner. And there we all, we all, we had all five, I mean, all week we had dinner together anyway, unless somebody had another appointment outside or I was traveling. But um, the uh, idea of a, of a council was to have each person in the family talk a little bit about their next week and describe what they're looking forward, forward to or are concerned about and ha- get the rest of the folks in the family to uh, hear about it, participate in it, uh, and uh, just bring us all closer together. You're listening to Steve Conley, a business executive who later ventured to start a successful real estate business. Steve is also the father of Chip Conley, who is a legend in the hospitality industry, a New York Times bestselling author, and most recently, the founder of the Modern Elder Academy. I'm Guy Michelin, and this is Raising to Rise, a show about the parents, educators, and mentors of kids who made it to the top of their game. Every week, we'll identify patterns and pieces of advice that hopefully will serve you while on the journey of raising your own kids. Steve, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. So I want to go back in time because one of the hypotheses I want to test in this show is that the way we parent our kids is influenced or heavily influenced by the way we were parented or the way we grew up. I think that we're trying to internalize a lot of the good things that we took from our parents. And then there are things that we promise ourselves that we will never do when we will be parents. And so I'm just curious if you go back in time a little bit, if you can paint us a picture of where did you grow up? What was the era like? And then what was the life in the Conley family? Like, did you have any siblings? How did you spend your spare time? Sure. Um, <clears throat> the um, f- family background, in both cases, was, was very similar. Uh, I'd called an upper middle class uh, uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, group. Uh, when I was growing up and during World War II and following World War II, we were a more disciplined <coughs> uh, economy, or social groups were, I think, more disciplined and more appreciative of discipline than they were uh, 25, 30 years later when we were raising our family. But from a, from a uh, basic background point of view of, of uh, the environment, there was a lot of similarities. I, my, in my uh, upbringing, it was probably I, I had more of it from my mother than my father, although my father was very, very good at laying down a, a, a concept or a feeling of respect for others. And that was a very, very important factor to him. He was the first person in his family to have gotten a college degree. He had just achieved executive status in a bank. And he wanted to make sure that I understood the values he had learned. And I think that it all carried over to my life and the way I treated Chip when, when he was uh, growing up also. Each dad, I think, hopes that his son is more successful than he is. That's, that's a, I think, a very natural feeling. And uh, it certainly was true in, in, our, in our situation. So you get married, you have three kids. Did you have any guiding principles, either that you guys consciously set, or when you look at it back retroactively, that were kind of like the, the guiding the light that uh, guided you through those years and how you parented the kids. Yeah, I think we did. Um, And guiding principles is a good term to use. Number one of importance in our, in the whole thing was the family. And that issue there was really the family working together and being a, a part together, eating our meals together. Um, 
within that, it was re very important that uh, certain issues uh, were were understood. Uh, that each person was given in the family was given an opportunity to talk and to to uh, to uh, be a participant, not just a listener to what the adults had to say. Participant. Um, when stupid ideas came up, they weren't dealt with as stupid ideas. They were dealt with with questions. Why is that a good idea? Um, the principles we used, I think, were fundamentally to treat our kids as more grown up than maybe some people who didn't, and to, uh, at the same time, try to help explain or clarify uh, how issues that they might not understand, uh, how we understood them, uh, but doing it in a non-dogmatic way, more in a asking questions and, and asking them to, uh, to think about it. One of the chips I'm uh, carrying on my shoulder, no pun intended, is that uh, I never really got along with my brother. And that's something um, I definitely want to fix uh, as a parent. I want my kids to really get along with each other. And that's why I'm really, really curious to learn what you did to get the family to be so tight, so close together. I think what we did was to, one, do things as a family, take family trips, uh, go to each other's, uh, each of the kids' uh, athletic activities or whatever, act if it could be, they weren't musical, but if it had been a musical performance, it would have been that or a show or anything else. Uh, and to uh, really, again, operate together as a group and with being expected. Um, that uh, that may be one thing that I didn't realize that it being expected was a positive that we had, I certainly had in my family, and Fran had, had in her family too. And yet I'm sure a lot of families don't have that. I wonder if uh, when, when the kids grew up, did you consciously or again unconsciously try to develop specific traits in the kids? Like, did you think about, I want the kids to have grit, or I want the kids to be empathetic? Did you think about it in this way? And if so, what actions did you take to actually get there? Okay, uh, that's a good question. And, and uh, yes, uh, we wanted our kids to be successful. Uh, it was very important that each, each of our kids understood that, what, that first they were going to go to college. That was just an understood uh, factor in our family. Why? And that because that was expected. And, you, and, yeah, but, you needed a college education to get the kind of to get the kind of a job and the kind of experience and the kind of contacts that uh, that uh, we would expect our kids to have. And how did you, you plain told them that, or it was just subtext? It was. It we probably did tell them that in the process, or implied that. But that was, I don't think, either when I was growing up or when my wife was growing up or when our kids were growing up, any of us ever assumed that we weren't going to college. And I don't think any of my grandkids presently assume they're not going to college. Expectations. One word, but such a complex concept. It probably has so much underlying. So it's very clear that for Steve, expectations and setting expectations was a big part of his success as a parent and was a big part of how the kids were brought up. And to get Chip's perspective, I had an email exchange with him before the show, and he had a very interesting take on this. Chip says, and I quote, I received unending support from my parents. My dad was my baseball coach and Boy Scout master. This means that they really invested in me, but it also meant that I felt like they had a path for me that I was not supposed to veer away from, which meant that I felt like I didn't have much choice in the matter of how I was being brought up. So you can see why expectations is such a complex concept, because on one hand, it really helps Steve 
in the way he was parenting the kids and it seemed like it was successful the flip side is that it made chip feel like there's no choice there's not really a path and his voice is not really heard so how do we balance this dance between setting expectations and leaving the kids the sense that they have freedom of choice that's something i don't think we're going to resolve today it's something i want to continue and explore together throughout the season Okay, uh, education was one. There was another one that was really important also. The kids had to understand that once they, we, we were going, we had two objectives in, in uh, their ra- raising them, especially as they got into college. One is they graduated from college and had an education. And two, they had a sense of values. And a good sense of values, they were honest, told the truth, Good, knew the difference between good and bad. And uh, then from then on, they were on their own. And they were not to come back to us and ask us for further support. And I guess telling the, the difference between good and bad, that's something every parent wants for their kids. What advice would you give other parents? How do you develop the sense of being able to distinguish between right and wrong. How can you contribute to that as a parent? Well, there are a lot of ways not to, and those are really the ones that are taking a harsh negative attitude toward a kid when they show the wrong, wrong, uh, uh, a wrong rather than a right reaction to something. The, uh, the best way, which we didn't always do, but we tried to do, was when there was some wrong there, to ask the uh, kid to explain why they thought that was the way to go. And it usually ended up, well, Johnny does it, or my friends do it, or that kind of a thing. It was, and, well, is that a good reason? Well, no. And, but trying to get them to make their own decisions. Boy, I'll tell you, that is really important. I think this is a super important point here uh, with Steve. Keep asking questions because as parents, we have this tendency to tell the kids what to do and to impose our experience and our thoughts on them. But then we're actually curtailing their human spirit. We're curtailing their curiosity. And I think in the long run, we're actually hurting them. And so for me, it's very, very important to apply this principle and not to give the kids the solution but to ask them the right questions so they can come up with their own solutions and i on my personal scorecard as a parent i want the kids to definitely develop curiosity i think the curiosity is key in order to be successful in life to be a never-ending learner to have a growth mindset and if you teach the kids that they don't need to be curious because you're going to always give them the answer you're essentially killing their curiosity. So I really, really connected with this idea of asking questions rather than giving them the answers. Are there any specific stories that you can tell us that illustrate this approach of asking questions? Well, I'll give you one that's a really uh, a tenuous one, and uh, Chip may have want to have this dropped, but uh, <laughs> he was the keeper of the marijuana for the swimming team. <laughs> <laughs> and they they pooled their money and, and this was high school they pooled their money and and they had a stash of marijuana and he kept it fran found it fran is my wife she found it uh in his room and she showed it to me uh before he'd come home from practice and i had come home from work and that was pretty easy it was in a plastic bag and when he came home i said Chip, can you come here and we can talk a little bit? And we went into the bathroom and to talk, which is an unusual place to go in to talk. And, um, and I said, what's this? He, got, he blushed and was embarrassed. And he said, well, that's, that's marijuana. Because we always told the truth. He knew lying wasn't going to do him any good. And saying it wasn't his wasn't going to do him any good. Anyway, I said, well, your mom found it hidden in your room. And... Um, it's just not acceptable in our family. So uh, I'm, what we're going to do is uh, 
I'm going to empty it in the toilet. Just think of that as dollar bills going down the, t the toilet. So that's probably as good a, a memory as I have of anything. And you mentioned uh, the chip was in uh, the swimming team. H how big was sport and the upbringing of the kids? And how, how much do you think this was part of their character in the long run? Most of the kids that were his friends were interested in the swimming team and had become pretty good swimmers by the time that, that uh, they got to high school. Uh, we pretty well expected our kids to, uh, to excel or to participate. Participate, I should say, not excel. Participate was the important thing. If they excelled, it was wonderful. Um, by this time, Chip's leadership skills were showing, and he became captain of the water polo team that won the league. Um, he was also student body president. Um, and and uh, Kathy was our, our his second child, who was Kathy, who was his uh, uh, second uh, or his first uh, sibling, uh, played water polo, played men's or boys' water polo, uh, in uh, and swam as a sophomore in high school. We at that year in those years it was three years of high school rather than four. Uh, now she only did her, her sophomore year, but she did it largely, I think, to compete with her brother or like her brother did. And later on, she became student body president for I think the same reason. Uh, but uh, swimming was a very important part of life with them. Swimming was, Anne was a, our third daughter, was a very good swimmer too, but she chose volleyball. She was an outstanding volleyballer and later on an outstanding tennis player. So it sounds like sport was a yeah. big part of... Well, participation in sports was really, really important because it was a way to be with your friends in, in a good way. And I, my, I had a, a theme, Fran and I had a theme, I should say, it was, when you've got teenagers, if you don't keep them busy, they're going to get in trouble. So sport is a sport's great way. Sport's a great way to keep them busy. And, and if, if it isn't sports, if it's a band, if it's, if it's in, in a, 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 on stage, whatever, or on the library, or whatever it is, but keep them busy because, God, they'll find every way they can to get in trouble otherwise. Right. Okay, and speaking about sports... I think sport is a great way to learn to cope with failure. And I know Chip afterwards went to be a very successful entrepreneur. And part of entrepreneurship is coping That's with right. failure. So you, do, you, do you think anything that you did besides sport made him more resilient or more able to cope with failure later on in life? Or maybe well, it's just sport that, that prepped him? Well, there was no. He, he is... Uh, Seventh grade year, he loved basketball, and he practiced it and played it in the back end, and I thought he was very good. Uh, and he didn't make the seventh grade basketball team, and it really broke him up. And hindsight would say that that probably was a very good lesson for him. Why is that? Because he found out that he couldn't do exactly what he wanted to do. And he, and, and, uh, he had to do a few different things and he played uh, intramural ball instead was very good at it but he but he didn't get a chance to play on the school team ball and uh, I think that uh, we all learn from our mistakes or our failures we learn all, a lot more from our failures than we do from our from our successes and uh, they help mold us into uh, understanding not to ever be beaten down by by a brick wall that's in front of you, but rather, is there a way around it, over it, or under it? And was there, a, how did you instill it in the kids? Because what you just told me, did you simply told it to the kids the way it is, or were there ways that you indirectly explained to them, a wall is not a wall, a wall is just an excuse to go and, and find a way around it? The key is to provide support to the kid when they have this disappointment and make sure that they understand that there's more to life than just that. What do you mean by that? Well, there was certainly a lot more to life than, than uh, making the seventh grade basketball team. Uh, 
there, there was still the student who still had to get good grades, still had to be an excellent student. Uh, that was very important with all kids. And uh, we, fortunately, we didn't ever have to uh, get into any kind of discipline against for that. That's, again, partially, I think, because we, that was just sort of an accepted thing. Okay. I want to tie your business career into parenting, if there are any ties. And I know that uh, you managed a group of like 1,500 people, and then you went and, and you started your own business. Were there any principles or things that you brought from the business world into the way you and Fran ran the company, the, the, the family? Yeah, I think uh, practicality was an awful lot of it. Uh, being able to uh, get through and, and uh, eliminate BS. Uh, you know, kids are great at trying to, trying to shine you on. And, and you just have to say, hey, come on, I, I don't need to hear that. That's what, what's the real fact? And, and, uh, and, not, and not from the standpoint of you're going to slap them around because they're lying to you. You're going you're gonna to say, make them feel a little bit embarrassed that they, they, they did what they did. Uh, and so, so one of the things would, would be just being very straightforward. Another, another would be being organized. Uh, I think that I've seen disorganized families and poor kids. I mean, you know, they're they're looking for some semblance of, of guidance and, and life. And if they don't have a, a certain amount of organization in their life, it can be very tough. Um, they, it's best if they participate in that organization and, and understand it and, and buy into it. There's no question about that. But uh, a total... Uh, a total at, free uh, 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 raising of, of kids uh, in, through adolescence uh, I don't think works. What is a disorganized family? How is it different? What is a disorganized versus an organized family in what sense? Well, it starts off with family values. You have, you have meals together. You don't just walk in at any time. You make your bed. Uh, you clean up your room. Um, you're home for dinner at a certain time. If you're going to go out, you explain you, you're going out. If uh, you're a daughter and you've got a, or son, either one, and you've got, uh, uh, you're, you're going to go out and you're 16 and you're told very clearly about your being cautious about your driving and such, but you're also given a time to be home. And you are home. So there are rules. And, uh, uh, you, and, and, they're just expected. And when they get broken, uh, the child has to suffer for it. Okay. In, now, they suffer by this suffer by, they may have a privilege withdrawn. You don't ever do anything physical. I only hit ship once. And that was when uh, we were at dinner table, and he was 16, and he got very smart-assy with my wife and got up and walked out. And I walked out, grabbed him by the neck, sort of the nap of the collar, and pulled him. I said, get your butt back in there and apologize to your mother. And that's the only time I've ever really physically uh, uh, done anything. And it was, I was so mad because, not so mad at him as I was so mad because he had offended his mother. That's just something you don't do. So I spent many years figuring out what is my role as a leader at work. I read a lot of books and I have a very clear understanding of what I need to do in order to lead a high-performing team. But one of the insights that I had after listening to Steve was that being a parent is actually not that different than being a leader at work. So as a parent, you actually are a leader, a leader of your family, which is almost like a team. And when you start thinking about it this way, a lot of the principles that you apply at work for your team and to managing a great team are actually transferable and you can apply them as a parent. So creating psychological safety, pushing your team, but then being there to support them, making sure that all the people on the team work well with each other. All those things that you try to do as a manager or as a leader at work 
are actually things that you probably should do with your family. And I never really thought about it that a lot of those principles are transferable from my work persona to my parenting persona. And hearing Steve talk about it kind of like made the click for me. So I, I emailed Chip before our conversation and uh, I asked him a couple of questions and he told me two things that uh, were very interesting for me. One, he said, my dad is an extrovert while my mom is an introvert and I turned out to be both. An introvert until puberty and then an extrovert after that as I felt I needed to be more social based upon feedback from my parents. And, and that caught my eye because I'm an introvert and I'm trying to get my kids to be an extrovert or extroverts. And I, I don't know how you do that. So were there any, again, conscious things that you did or you told Chip that made him turn from an introvert to an extrovert? Yeah, I think that the, uh, <clears throat> and sports plays a big part here, participation. Participation in group activities. Uh, scouting played a role in there. Um, any kind of, of activity that requires them to be with others and, and cooperate with others and where their performance or their satisfaction or their fun is dependent upon not just what they do, but what the other kids do too. Being, being a part of something. And did you push them for that? For, for example, I look at my daughter, she's, she's very shy, so many times she doesn't want to participate. Yeah, we did. We pushed Chip. You pushed him? And uh, where's uh, the boundary? Like, how do you decide how much to push, when to well, push? Well, there were a couple times he didn't, he didn't want somebody to stop by, was taking him to the baseball practice or the basketball practice, and he didn't want to go. And I and Fran just said, you're, you're going. I mean, we, we had talked about this, and that was, that was part, of, part of what was expected. And when you tell him you're going, he just went? Yes. And pretty soon he started having fun. Okay. I mean, I don't know exactly how to do it with a, with a person who is, 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 is fighting it. Um, all I can say is, is you try your best to make it fun and, and to make sure that you participate with them in the process. For instance, if your daughter is an introvert and you're trying to get her involved in things, if, you, if she's involved in them, make sure that you or your wife are there when she's participating. In, in, in a game or something or whatever it might be, whether it's, it's musical or whatever it might be, uh, because parental support to a child who's growing up is just vitally important. And if they see that they get parental support, and I think Chip even answered this this way, that he he wanted to uh, 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 make me, satisfy me. Well. It, it, he wouldn't have known that things were important to me if I hadn't participated in his activities. I was his scoutmaster. I was at at the the uh, uh, swimming and water polo games. I was his. I played racquetball with his coach, um, uh, and I didn't do all that for him. But I and I loved playing racquetball. But I sought out and played with his coach because I wanted to work on that relationship. Being a demanding parent, but at the same time being a supportive parent, this is something that really, really struck a chord with me. And, and it took me back a couple of months ago when I, my daughter Alma, she, wanted to, she started her third season in ice skating. And she went with the nanny for the first session and she didn't want to go in. She started crying and at the end the nanny gave up and she didn't attend. She actually asked to postpone it, uh, postpone the season and not start until next year. And I told Alma it's actually not an option. So I made it a point to go with her to the second session. And she started crying for like 10 minutes at the beginning. And I told her, Alma, you're going in. And if after 15 minutes you want to go out, that's fine you at least give it a try. And I gave her a big hug and she went in crying and she ended up just loving it. She finished the, the session all smiling and all cheerful. And she ended up actually finishing the season last week and got the certificate. 
and this really, really connected and like tied to me to what Steve said, like have, be a demanding parent, like push the kids to get out of their comfort zone, but always be there, be there for them, give them a hug and make sure that you don't send a nanny or you don't outsource it. Just be there with them, at least for the first first step that they can see that it's not that scary. And afterwards, they're probably going to have fun and succeed. If you want to go deeper on this concept of being a demanding parent, but at the same time, supportive parent, I highly recommend the book Grit by Angela Duckworth that really dives deeper into the theory of how to build grit. And how did you have time? Because you were super busy with your work. You were traveling a lot. How did you balance this with being present in the kids' baseball, basketball games? That was, that was a, a, a challenge. It, in fact, it became such a challenge that I ultimately left McDonnell Douglas because of it, because I was traveling half the time. Uh, but as long as we, uh, I was working and at home in the same city, uh, business time was business time and home time was home time. And the two didn't conflict with each other. Well, not totally, although I, I do remember driving about 90 miles an hour down the freeway to get to a swimming meet uh, because I had a business meeting that went on a certain period of time. So, yeah, yeah, you, it does compete sometimes, but uh, you still try very hard to do both. So it sounds like it was very important for you to be there with the kids. Oh, absolutely. Again, it's, i got to come back to family. And, you know, family... If you if you look at um, uh, the bushes, for instance, and and uh, I think uh, George Senior before he died was asked what's the most important thing to him, and he said his family, and I think that, I think that's true among a lot of of very successful people. Okay, the other I, I want to go back to what Chip answered me. The other thing he said, uh, my father wanted me to. I think my father wanted me to be a better version of himself, so he pushed me as a result. Is that something you would agree to? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've got to go back a little bit in my background. I grew up in a family where my father worked for the same bank for thirty-five years, where my wife's father worked for the same insurance company for about the same period of time. They were both very successful, uh, both uh, in the, to what the level they got to and financially in their jobs. I went through business school, through well, through undergraduate and business school, and into my first job with the fact that I wanted to be a vice president and then a president more than I wanted to achieve various things, or wanted independence. As I got into business and climbed up the ladder fairly fairly rapidly, I found that the, each rung you got up to, the higher you looked over, here's another hill to climb. And um, I started having a much greater respect for independence and, and independent management. And finally, in 1982, I started my own company and have not looked back. I had a lot of help with that with my wife, but uh, the bottom line is uh, when Chip graduated, got his MBA, and he didn't want to go with a large corporation, and he instead went with a developer to learn development and then move on. Boy, I was totally in support of that because that that's something I wish I had done earlier. I really got my wings when I finally was in charge of my own life business-wise and not working for somebody else. And did you tell him this as a kid, or you think he just saw it and he picked it up and, and that's where he got it? I don't know that he got it as a kid as much, because I don't think I knew it when he was a kid. I think I, I knew it when he got his MBA and and wanted to go into private in, into uh, 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 private or be on his own at a at a time that I had gone out at age in my early forties or mid forties and gone out on my own. 
with two kids in college. Um, I mean, it it uh, it took me a lot. I was a slow learner. I I I followed the guidelines of my father and my and my father-in-law, but finally the in, inside of me said, "Hey, wait a minute! I want to be in charge. I don't want to I don't want to be a cog in a wheel. I want to f- try to figure out how to make this thing work." And I did that, and then I saw Chip wanted to do that, and I've just been very very proud of how he's done that in each each place that he's gone. So let's talk uh, for a minute about the road that he took, because his first hotel, the Phoenix, it was actually in a terrible <laughs> neighborhood at the time of, of San Francisco. And I'm just trying to picture the conversation if my son would have come to me and say, hey, I want to buy this hotel, which I don't know, was pretty a dodgy hotel at the time. What do you think, Dad? Can you help me get the money? What did you think when he came? Is that one of those stupid ideas that you don't tell your kids they're stupid, or you thought it's a good idea? How well, did you think about it? Well, uh, that's a, and that's a good question, because his mother and I had enough confidence in him that we figured that whatever he did, he was going to be successful at by that time. So there wasn't a whole lot of holdback on the fact that you want to do something. The hotel he selected, goodness, Jesus, <laughs> uh, that was awful. Uh, uh, and and, and uh, we wanted, we wanted, we thought it's probably it'd be good to name it maybe the Garden Inn and, or the Magnolia Court. Magnolia Court, I think, is what Fran had come up with as a title because it had a beautiful magnolia tree in it. And when he wanted to name it the Phoenix and get his buddies in there to paint it and, uh, and, and go for rock and roll, people, uh, we shook our heads, but then we said, well, he seems to know, he seems to come out on, landing on his feet. As far as raising the money for him, that was, that was easy because that was what my, my profession was in those days. I was in the real estate, commercial real estate uh, 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 investment and syndication. And so it was easy to put that project together as a syndication. And people, the people that invested in it all made a lot of money. And my wife and I are still, uh, I guess, the majority owners. In, and we've, we've done very well by it. And you didn't have any hesitation because it was a lot of your reputation and your money on the line. When you saw this hotel, you didn't have any doubt whether it's a good investment? I didn't try to second-guess, Chip. Okay. I, I felt he was smarter than I was in that subject, what he was doing. He knew what he wanted to do and what he'd do. He had been so successful in life in everything he'd done that uh, I had total confidence that he could achieve. You might pick up on this, but Steve keep going to the fact that he wanted Chip to be a better version of himself. He talked about it in the context of a business. He was very happy that Chip was much more successful than he was. He talked about it in sports. He said that uh, Chip was a better in sport than he was, and the grandkids are even better, which made him very happy. And I could definitely relate to it, because uh, after hearing him talk, I understood that I'm parenting the same way. I keep trying to figure out how to help my kids not to have the sh- same shortcomings and the same weaknesses that I had growing up. And Chip basically went ahead and he spent most or all of his career in, in hospitality and travel. Do you think this travel bug came from anything that you did when you're when he was a kid or when you guys were, were a parent? It's related to any trips that you took or where is this uh, where is it coming from? Well, if you go back to when he was a kid, I mean now pre-puberty, back in the back in the uh, uh, as he would have said the the uh, uh, less gregarious days. Um, he would come up with plans for uh, Disneyland or, or like places, uh, plans for amusement parks, plans for um, uh, interesting uh, specific uh, uh, area or areas that would have a specific uh, uh, appeal to people. He was very oriented on on uh, whatever he was doing, how is it going to appeal? He understood marketing. He understood the, val- the value of, of, of making something worthwhile to other people. From early age? 
from a very early age. And did you encourage it? Probably not as much as he just decided that's what he was going to do. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I don't think we discouraged it because, frankly, it, it led to him having some interesting things to do and interesting conversations we had. But uh, I think that's something that was all him. Steve, I want to switch gears for a second because being a parent is great and many times it's fun, but it's also very, very challenging. And so I wonder if there's any challenge that you had that you're willing to share with us? Now we're saying with any kids. Yeah. I think the bottom, the line and challenge is probably when one of your kids follows a path at a, that you don't agree with and you're trying to help guide them differently. And that was more with the daughter, with one of the daughters than it was with Chip. Um, uh, she was boy crazy. And 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 uh, we just felt like she was cared too much for the boys, not enough about herself, and thinking about thinking about uh, this was in high school, and uh, uh, I think that uh, she's an incredibly good mother now, and and uh, counselor to students, and, and 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 so it's all worked out very well. So, but how do you, in a situation like this, how do you? guide your kid without alienating your kid, especially in high school when they, they're trying to be Oh, boy, I tell you, the, the, uh, the teenage years are really tough from that point of view. And, and Fran and I had a lot of walk around, walks around the block where we were talking, we'd talk things out because we didn't want to talk them out in the house. The kids were studying, doing their homework. And uh, we, did a, we did a lot of walking and talking. And... Um, Deciding who ought to bring up a topic to the, the particular child that we were talking about, uh, who ought to do this, who ought to do that, um, and and how we ought to do it, and I think we I think we helped each other. I think I think this is a place where where mom and dad have got to be got got to be together. Okay, so so there was sounds like there was a lot of communication, oh, almost like lot, strategy yes, behind yes, you yes, and yes, role playing. Yes. And I, I just, for a quick mention, Anne, who was very quiet and didn't didn't really, uh, 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 I mean, she was great in sports and she was okay. She was pretty good, she was very good in, in, in academics too. She graduated from Berkeley, for God's sakes. But she's the one today who is running Chip's empire. She manages his assets. She's the president of his foundation. So, you know, kids come to the fore at different times. And uh, we couldn't be more happy and pleased with each of the three kids' progress and growth of very different directions, but very successful. So, Steve, like I'm hearing you talk and I can picture myself being there with you around the family dinner and uh, with the kids and the sports games. Is this storytelling element, is this something that you, you think Chip got from you? Is that something that you think is, is important? I think that the most important part of it all is communication. And it's how you communicate. It's not just what you say. And I'd like to use the term speaking from the heart. If you really believe in something and you, you start talking about it from the standpoint of how you believe in it, others will believe in it too. And, and, and uh, it, it really is, is the difference between when you hear, hear uh, a... Uh, politician who you may agree with or disagree with, but when they're talking about a topic they really believe in, you know whether they're, 
they're they're speaking what they believe or whether they're just giving you a lot, a lot of BS. I honestly believe that that. Um, well, I know that I had my success in in business and and in family raising in speaking from the heart. And Chip's even better at it. I mean, he really, he is he is a master at it. When you think about it, he is such a leader. Uh, we used to, a friend and I have called him the Pied Piper. He, uh, when he talks, people listen, and they can put themselves in their, right beside him. And that's so important. And really in life. Because without communication, without being able to get ideas across and thoughts across, we don't, we have anarchy. Right, and is that something you can teach as a parent or they just, you just model it? I think that's more something you got to be aware of and model it and work at it. And some, and some people are going to be better at it, just like anything else. Right. Some people can ride a bicycle better than other people. But for those parents like me, if, if I'm not an amazing communicator, so what does it mean that my kids will never be amazing communicators? Or do you think there are ways that proactively I can, even if I'm not the best communicator in the world, I can help them to acquire this skill? Because I agree with oh, you. Yeah. It's a very important yeah, skill. Ab- absolutely. If, if you are talking to them about how they're communicating, let's, let's say that they... they they bring to you a, a situation that's frustrating them because that's usually where you got your best opportunity they've come to you for a, an answer if you can really get involved with them about their situation what it was and try hard to understand what it was and 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 but work it around in such a way that they're coming up with a solution you put yourself in with them your hand in hand in making that that solution and enough of that goes a long way kids kids learn from that example is there any advice do you have to parents that are just starting now the journey yeah uh, it's it's it, it I've talked about family more than anything else and and uh, that means everybody's got to be involved with each other Um, the uh, really successful families I've seen have generally done real well no matter what the economics are, no matter what the social issue is, no matter what the racial issue is. The ones that I've seen that are really done poorly, and I can point to a couple of, of very wealthy ones, where they didn't, each person had their own life. And each kid was taught live your own life. I mean, you, you, you're responsible. Not, not, not giving them the support and, and giving them the guidance to make their own decisions. And when you say successful family, what do you mean by that? Like, how would you define that? Where the kids have grown up and been responsible for How they're raising their families and how they are proud and involved in their kids success but not pushing them to the success this actually reminds me of Alice in Wonderland when she comes to a fork in the road and she asks the cat where should I go right or left and the cat asks her back where do you want to get to And she says, "I don't really care." And so he says, "It doesn't really matter which one you're going to take." And the point is that if we don't know the goal, we don't know where we want to go, it doesn't really matter which path we take. And I think it really translates into parenting. If you don't have a definition of what success is, you basically let life manage you versus you taking ownership on your parenting style and having very clear goals and very clear definition. And so in many ways, the definition of success, the way I think about it, 
is the starting point. You have to define what success is in order to be able to be proactive and to have very clear parenting style. So we heard Steve's definition for success and you have my commitment to continue and explore how other parents define success and how that actually influenced the way they parented their kids. If you could go back in time knowing what you know today and having the experience that you have today and basically bring up the kids all over again, what, what would you do differently? Probably have had more family councils. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, it, was a good, it was a good thing we had, and it shared. I would have started earlier. Okay. We didn't start it until at least Kathy and Chip were at least in ninth grade, or Chip was. And I think that it would have been a good thing to start when kids are a lot younger. Focus on bringing that family together and, and making sure that everybody, they, they respect each other. They, they look forward, look up to their parents, but they also recognize that their parents have challenges too. And the, the, you think the family council helps? I think, it, I think it helps that. It helps, you know, uh, you can talk about financial challenges. In the family council? Yeah. If, if, if you're saying, you know, gosh, you, you brought up the fact that uh, uh, so-and-so and his folks are going to Hawaii. And how come we can't? Well, I'll tell you what, we can't afford to. And and you know what it costs to go to Hawaii? In those days, probably was three or four thousand dollars for a family, and um, and and we didn't have three or four thousand dollars to do that. So that's a a great way for the kids to to learn yeah real life yeah. lessons. And that that's something that applies to lower income people every bit as as much as higher income people. Right. Maybe right. more so. Right. And last question, which ties to the previous question. What advice... Uh, can I say one further thing? Of course, yeah. One of the greatest lessons I would suggest to parents is keep your ego out of the solution. What do you mean? Don't feel that you've got to guide the, ch the kid in, in the direction exactly the way you would because you're not letting them have a chance to guide themselves. I cannot think of a better way to end our first episode. Thank you all for listening. For show notes, please visit RaisingToRise.com your support is greatly appreciated and I'm looking forward to continuing the parenting journey together.